0: So, so glad you're here with us. My name's Trent, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we're starting a new series today called SOS. And it's based upon some of the stuff that we were watching in that video and would have seen if we were able to finish that video. Um, So it's based upon uh, some of the relationships that, that we are in in our lives and some of the most important relationships that we can be in. So let me tell you about this series. So this series is all about dating, love marriage and sex so if you by chance came in with a young child during our announcements what i would strongly encourage you to do is take them to our children's ministry where they will have way more fun and you will not have to spend the service trying to figure out how am i going to have that conversation with them right after church And we should have somebody at our Connection Center that will help guide you to uh, our children's ministry. Again, where they'll have a lot more fun than being out here with us. Now, we're calling this series SOS for several reasons. The first reason is because those lifelong, intimate marital relationships that God designed many of us to live in are in real trouble today. If you look around our world, you can see that. We can see that just about anywhere that that we look. We see that people don't know how to get into God-honoring dating relationships. We don't know how to select people that will last a lifetime with us in that marital relationship. We don't know how to get into God-honoring marriages. We struggle to stay in God-honoring marriages. So that most important relationship, outside of the relationship that we can have with God, that intimate, sometimes romantic marital relationship between one man and one woman who are totally and freely committed to each other for life is in real trouble. And so we're gonna be calling on God to help us rescue those endangered relationships. Now, the second reason we're calling it SOS is it's based on an Old Testament book called the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. And so if you know anything about that book, or if you don't know anything about that book, it's all about dating. It's all about marriage. It's all about love. And it's all about sex. Have I said that already? Yeah, Yeah, okay. So have I gotten any guys' attention? I thought maybe there'd be a few male voices going, amen. Like, Wow, we're going to talk about that in church? So this series is going to be all about intimacy, and then in two weeks, we're going to talk about God honoring sex. The whole message is going to be how, how are we supposed to have sex in a way that really honors God, and I hope that you'll come. Men, I hope that you'll come. Ladies, I hope that you'll come. God's got some incredible information for all of us on that incredibly important subject. And here's my prediction. I predict on that day, we'll have more men here than we will women. Just, just a prediction. I don't know. We may have men getting up that morning and their girlfriends and wives saying, where are you going? I'm going to church. Why are you going to church? You never want to go to church. Yeah, did you hear that bald guy said they were talking about God honoring sex today? I got to go hear what that's all about. So again, I hope that you'll come. And not only I hope that you'll come in two weeks, but I hope that you'll, you'll come and pay attention here today. You'll come next week. You'll come for all this series because this series has got some incredible information for all of us, regardless of whether you are single and you hope one day to be dating or you're dating, you hope one day to be married or you're married and you're trying to figure out how can I make this thing last a lifetime? So this series is going to be good for everybody. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Song of Solomon. So the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs is an ancient love story written about 3,000 years ago. And it can be read in two different ways. So it can be read as a love story between God and his people. And that's a beautiful way to read it. But it can also be read as a love story between a man and a woman. And that man is King Solomon, who is the third king of the nation of Israel. And that woman is a woman by the name of Shulamith. So it's a little bit of a strange name, but she is basically a a peasant farmer woman who has this Cinderella experience. She captures the king's heart. So we're going to read it in that context. And I think there's so much that we can learn about uh, these most important relationships for us today. Now, as we read through this, or let's say that you go home and start reading through the Song of Solomon, which I hope you will, as you read through it, you might start feeling like you are back in high school or college English literature class reading Shakespeare. And if you love Shakespeare, you will love this book because it is written in a very beautiful poetic style. But if you were like me in high school reading Shakespeare going, what? And the teacher said, well, that's what he means here. And I'm like, how do you get that? If that's how you feel about Shakespeare, then this book may be a little bit challenging. So what we're going to try to do in this series is try to pull out some, some truth nuggets for us to wrestle with. And I'm not going to be reading kind of big chapters at a time. I'm going to be pulling out those specific verses that we can wrestle with and things that we can learn on this journey. So that's how we're going to be approaching this today. So if you would, if you have a Bible with you, flip over to Song of Solomon. If you need to know where it is, in a paperback Bible, if you'll take your Bible, kind of cut it right down the middle, open it up. You should be around Psalms or Proverbs. If you land there, go two books to the right, you'll be in the Song of Songs. Now, if you've got your phone that you're using, um, I can't help you with that. Hopefully it can. If you're not using that, then on the screen we'll have the verses as well. So we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this, it says, this is Solomon's song of songs, more wonderful than any other. And I think as we walk through this series, we're gonna see that reality. This is an amazing piece of work that he has written. And uh, King Solomon is credited with writing over 3,000 pieces of literature. And he's saying, hey, just want you to know, this is the best of the best. So we're about to read the best of the best. Verse two, this is Shulamith speaking, and she says this. She says, "Kiss me, and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine." That's what my wife says to me, like every, And you're laughing already. I'm like, "Why are you laughing?" So I kiss her good bed at night. I kiss her good night. You know, it's time for us to go to bed, and she says, "Kiss me again." And uh, no, she doesn't normally do that. Normally, she says, did you brush your teeth? (laughs) Have you used mouthwash? Because you're not kissing me unless that thing is clean. But Shulamith, she says, kiss me and kiss me again. In verse three, she says, how fragrant your cologne. Your name is like it's spreading fragrance. No wonder all the young women love you. Now, let me explain uh, her illustration there. So she's talking about his name, and then she compares it to uh, cologne. Now, their cologne back then was different than our cologne today. Their cologne back then was more of a purified oil that had rare, expensive fragrances mixed in. So this wasn't just something that anybody would run to Walmart and get. This is something that you had to be a person of wealth to have this kind of cologne, this kind of fragrance. So when she's talking about his name and referencing it to cologne, she is making this statement, your name is like this rare, expensive cologne, this rare, expensive fragrance. And she's talking about his reputation. She's talking about his character. So basically, she's saying, you know what, Solomon? You have a great reputation and you have godly character. That's what we need to be looking for. So, if you're dating or if you're single and you're trying to figure out if you should date, if you're dating, trying to figure out if this is the person you should marry, those are the first two qualities that we should be looking for in someone. Do they have a great reputation and do they have godly character? Now, many people, when, when they hear that, they have this sigh of, where are those people? And I've had many conversations with people that tell me, you know, I just can't find someone like that. I would love to. If there was someone out there that had great reputation and godly character uh, that, that could be in a relationship with me that would last a lifetime, that is fantastic. I would love that, but I just can't find them. Where are they? And so they then settle. They lower their standards a little bit and say, I guess I'll have to take someone else. I guess I'll have to take someone who has a reputation and who is a character (laughs) instead of someone who has great reputation and a godly character. And often when we settle like that, there are conversations of regret that I get into with many people that say, you know what, I wish I would have I wish I would have waited. I wish I would have had higher standards and kept my standards higher. I wish I wouldn't have said yes to that person at that time. I wish I would have waited just a little bit longer to really see, do they have the character? Do they have the reputation that they should have? And there's that moment of regret. I look back and I wish I would have. So the best possible thing to do if you're in that spot is to wait if you're looking for someone with a great reputation and godly character, the best possible thing to do in that moment is to wait until you find them. Now, how many of you know that waiting is difficult? Waiting is so incredibly hard. And if you're in that spot of waiting right now, I I do not want to minimize that waiting experience. It is difficult. But I tell you this, the pain of waiting is less than the pain of regretting. And if you've had a moment of regret or a relationship of of regret, you know that. You know as you you sit in this moment of the pain of, of this broken relationship and you say, I wish I would have waited, you know that waiting is better than regretting. So if you're in that spot of waiting, I encourage you to wait. But here's what we should do when we wait. We should not do this. We should not look at the clock and go, God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. It's been three seconds, I'm still waiting. Where is that person? When are you gonna bring that person along? It's kind of like being in school. So if you're sitting in, in class and you want the day to go by, where do you not look? The clock, the clock. don't look at the clock. You stare at the clock all day. <laughs> Five minutes has gone by. Is this day ever gonna end? If we enter our dating, our waiting relationship like that, it'll go forever forever. And then we'll be tempted to lower our standards. And so God says, wait. And and when you wait, here's what you should do. Become. Become the person that God wants you to become in those moments. Become a person of great reputation. Become a person with godly character. And as we become that, we will attract that. So the reality is you will attract what you are. So if you're attracting people that you're like, you know, I'm not all that happy with the people that I'm attracting. So look inside and figure out, are you becoming the person God wants you to become? As we become those people, we will then start to attract those type of people. Again, waiting is difficult, but the pain of waiting is less than the pain of regretting. And while we're waiting, we should become the people that God wants us to become. Now, verse seven shows us Shulamite's reputation and Shulamite's character. She herself has some great reputation and she has godly character. So watch what it says in verse seven. Verse seven says, tell me, my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and their flocks? She doesn't hold back, does she? And she's pretty blunt with the king. And basically, she's saying, Listen, I don't care that you're the king. I'm not going to be your friend with benefits, I'm not hanging out on the sideline of your life waiting for you to, to, to pay me attention. I'm not going to be that in that kind of prostitute relationship with you. I'm waiting for sexual intimacy on our wedding day. She has very high standards. So her high standards reflect her reputation and reflect her character. And again, she doesn't care that this is the king. It doesn't matter to her. Now, isn't that so countercultural? Think about the message of our culture. What does our culture tell us every day? I mean, it it says this specifically to women, but it says it to everybody. Specifically to women, our culture says if you want to get a man, if you want to keep a man, you better give him sex, you better give it to him often, you better give it to him quickly. If you don't, you won't get him. But our God comes along and says, if a man or a woman will not wait for sexual intimacy until your wedding day, very theological statement, kick them to the curb. It's in the book of accusations. <laughs> it's not actually in the, in the Bible, but... Again, God says, listen, becoming is way better than regretting. Waiting is way better than regretting. So God says... Keep your standards high, don't lower your standards. If someone is not willing to wait in those moments, then then that relationship has got a fracture in in the foundation already. It may be difficult to make a long-term relationship out of that. Now, if you've crossed that bridge already, a lot of people have. Our God is a God of do-overs. Our God is a God of second chances. I love that about our God. But what, it, what that means is we then set the standard high again in our lives and we work to live with a great reputation and godly character. That's the stuff that, that God asks of us. So Shulamith has these high standards. Verse 6 makes her standards even more meaningful when we see what she says in verse 6. So in verse 6 she says, Don't stare at me because I am dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me, so they forced me to to care for their vineyard so I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. So here's what she does. She reveals an insecurity. And let me explain the insecurity. Um, Remember who they are, where they live, and when they lived. 3,000-plus years ago, a couple of Israelites living in Israel. And I know it's hard for us to believe, but that Hawaiian dark tropic tan was not appealing back then. So if you had that Hawaiian dark tropic tan, what that meant in that culture at that time was you were a lowly worker. You had to work outside. People with wealth did not have to work outside. So she's saying, listen, I'm insecure. I'm insecure about my body. I'm insecure about my position in life. But watch how Solomon interacts with her. In verse nine, Solomon responds and he says, you are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among Pharaoh's stallions. So he calls her a female horse. (laughs) Guys, I recommend if you do that, you better have some context to it before you, you know, call your wife a female horse. So let me explain what that meant in that day. So for Pharaoh of Egypt, he had this white horse, white horses that would pull him around. And it was a beautiful white horse. You see a, p- a picture of, a, of it there. Um, well, that's not it, you know, but I'm saying that's a sample of it. Pharaoh believed that he was a god. And this horse was believed to be a heavenly being that would pull a god around. So get the context again in this relationship, this conversation. So Shulamite says, like, I'm, I'm insecure about my body, about my dark skin, my suntan. And Solomon says, when I look at you, Shulamite, all I see is a beautiful heavenly being being. He reassures her of his love for her beyond her insecurities. And that wasn't just his way to get her into bed later. We've already established that he has a great reputation and godly character. So Solomon interacted with her that way on a regular basis. He protected her. And and watch what she says in chapter two, verse three. Chapter two, verse three, this is her response after that regular ongoing treatment from Solomon. She says, like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men. And I sit in his delightful shade. So what was she insecure about? Her dark tan. What is she feeling protected about? The same thing. She's feeling very protected by Solomon. He protected that insecurity in her lives. And that's something that we need to do in our relationships is to protect each other. One of the greatest responsibilities that we have to the other people that we are in intimate relationships with is to love them, reassure them, and protect them. So let me talk to the guys for a minute. Guys, if you're married, if you're dating, One of the greatest responsibilities you have in that relationship is to love that woman, is to protect that woman, and to reassure that woman. Listen to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, uh, verse 25, tells us this. If you're in a dating relationship, thinking about being married, guys, consider this before you cross that bridge. 25 says, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And if you wonder, well, how did Christ love the church? It continues by saying he gave up his life for her. Jesus died for his bride, the church. So men, God calls us to do that as well. In several different contexts, he calls us to die so that our wives can really, live. He calls us to protect them in significant ways. He calls all of us to protect each other um, in our insecurities. But men, he calls us to protect our wives. There's this really humbling and sad comparison in the Bible between two Adams. There's the first Adam, that's Adam and Eve and the the original uh, creation of humanity story. And the second Adam is Jesus. So the first Adam story, you've got uh, God bringing Eve to Adam. So you've Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in this place of perfection. And God had one rule for them. The one rule was don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just leave that tree alone. And the day that Genesis chapter 3 says that the serpent, which is Satan, came along to tempt Eve, Genesis chapter three, verse six says that Adam was standing right there, silent. While the woman that he loved was attacked, he stood there silently. He did not draw his sword. He did not stand to protect her. He did not step in between uh, her and and that serpent to say, you will not speak those lies to my bride. He stood there in silence. And then when she was attacked, gave into temptation, he gave into temptation. Guess who he blamed? Her and God. God, the woman that you gave me, she did it. It was, it was her fault. But Jesus didn't do that. So when that serpent, real being named Satan, came to attack God's bride, the church, Jesus said, I'll die so that she can live. I'll die for her. Now, most men, I don't think, have a problem protecting women physically. Uh, ladies, if you're dating a guy who has a problem with that, find another guy. Okay, so, so again, most guys don't have a problem with that. It's a little bit of our machismo or, you know, our bravado. You know, and we, you know we don't typically have an issue with that. And I want my wife. I want my three daughters. I want my, my mom, my mother-in-law. I want the ladies in my life. Listen, ladies, I want you to know this. If a crazy terrorist stepped in that door, started shooting people, there'd be a whole bunch of men running over there to take bullets for you. Right, guys? Right. Yeah, we want to protect you physically. Now, get this. I even expect this of the young men who date my daughters. And I have a conversation with them about it. So I only have two daughters who are of dating age. So the third, she's off limits. Make sure your boys know that. Um, But with my oldest, any young man, um, I like to call them young punks in my house, any young punks or young man that wants to date any of my daughters, they first have to go to lunch with me. And over lunch, we have a conversation about my expectations. And I have a a piece of paper that I hand them, and I read off of it as well. And I go point by point, point number one. And I go down. I've got expectations of how they are going to interact, how he's going to interact with her. And, And there's protection issues there. And not just physical, I've got several other we'll get to in a minute, but I have expectations of physical protection. And I say to the young man, basically the same thing I just said to you. I said, listen, if you and my daughter are out at a restaurant and a crazy person comes in and starts shooting people, I expect that you will stand up and take a bullet for my daughter. Are we in agreement on that? And I look him in the eye (laughs) and at the end, I shake his hand that we're in agreement. And often I like to ask, where would you like to receive that bullet? You know, if you were like to be shot, not that I'm a hunter or have guns or anything. I do. Sorry, I don't do that last part. But most of us don't have a problem. uh, Most men don't have a problem protecting women physically. But listen, God expects that we protect them emotionally as well. And that's scary because most guys have two emotions we're happy or angry. But guys, there's a whole lot of other emotions out there. And, and God expects, and God expects all of us. So, so ladies, this applies to you as well. Do you know that the male ego is fragile? Sorry, guys, I didn't mean to let the secret out. But we all need protection emotionally. So if you're in a relationship, are you doing anything that is building insecurity in that relationship? Are you by chance flirting with someone outside of that relationship and convincing yourself, it's okay, and I'm not doing anything wrong. I haven't crossed any lines yet. If you're flirting with someone outside of that relationship, stop it. You're building insecurity into your relationship. Are you looking at anything that will build insecurity in your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend? If you are, stop it. Are you doing anything? I mean, are you just active in anything that will build insecurity or lessen insecurity. Our job is to lessen insecurities. Another thing that our job is to speak words of life to each other. So are you speaking words of life to the the person that you're in that relationship with? Or are you always speaking words of death? Now early on in relationships, we're really good at speaking words of life to each other and then often we drift from that. Um, But it doesn't matter how long we've been married, We should always be speaking words of life, not words of death. So are you protecting your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend? Are you protecting them emotionally? Here's another area. God expects that we protect each other spiritually. And and let me talk to the guys for just a moment. Guys, in the context of how God views relationships, God looks at you and expects that you be the spiritual leader in your home. And that does not mean that your wife can't lead spiritually or can't be a leader. It doesn't mean any of that. I mean, there's some amazing women that that have amazing gifts in leadership. I'm married to one. I have three daughters, and, and they're all amazing leaders in their own right. But I think when it comes to these intimate relationships, as God looks at our relationship, he expects that we men set the tone spiritually. And what so often happens is women set the tone spiritually. Why? Because the guy won't. And that's not the way God designed our relationships to last a lifetime. So guys, we should set the tone spiritually. When it comes to church attendance, we should be the ones saying, hey, let's go to church. We should be the ones saying, hey, let's be involved in church together. We should be the ones leading spiritual conversations with each other. If you have children, um, the spiritual leadership and development of your children should not just be handed off to your wife. We should play a significant role in that and to help our kids understand that their dad... Their father figure can love God and, and love uh, other people and love their, their mom with a full heart and full passion. We should lead in those ways. So guys, are you leading in those ways? Are you protecting the significant women in your lives spiritually? Ladies, if you are dating and, and this guy that you're with is not doing that, and and this is the hardest thing to say, but I I really think you should consider whether you should continue on in that relationship or not. Again, remember what we said earlier about waiting, about becoming, about regretting. And ladies, if, if if you're married and your husband does those things, would you praise him for that? Just praise him for doing some of those things. If he doesn't, will you pray for him? We need lots of prayer when it comes to leading in the way that God expects us to lead. We all need lots of prayer to protect each other physically. We we need prayer to protect each other emotionally. We need prayer to protect each other spiritually. Now, I'm gonna go back through this message and I'm gonna ask some reflective questions that I want you to, to answer during our closing song. So, in just a minute, our worship team will be back out and they'll guide us through this closing song. But really reflect on some of the things that we've talked about this morning. And these questions will help you do that. So, if you're thinking about dating or are dating, how's the reputation and character of the person that you want to date or the person you are dating? Do they have a great reputation? Do they have godly character? Or do they have a reputation? And are they a character? Whether you're single, dating, or married, how's your reputation? How's your character? Are you developing those qualities in your own life? Do you have high standards for your life and the people that you date? Are your standards high? Or have you been tempted to lower those standards because of some insecurity that you may have? Is the person that you're dating or married to protecting you physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Are you protecting them in those ways? My final question whether you're single, you're dating, or you're married, are you becoming the person God wants you to be? If you are, great, keep becoming. If you aren't, determine now that you will become a person with a great reputation and godly character. Let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for the content of the Song of Solomon and, Lord, the information that we can learn about these most important intimate relationships that we should be in. And God, we we all need help in this. We're not perfect at, at these relationships, and so we need help. And so we're trying to learn from you how to have a great reputation, how to have godly character, how to have high standards, how to protect each other physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So God, I just pray that you would speak to us today about where we are in our relationship with you and those things. Lord, help us if if we're in a spot where maybe we've gone down a path that we shouldn't go down, help us to take a few steps back from that path and reevaluate and determine that we're gonna go down a new path. Lord, help us to become the people you've designed us to become. So Lord, uh, this morning as we sing this song, we give you our heart. We ask you to speak truth to us and Lord, no matter how difficult that truth may be, Lord, we pray that we would apply that truth to our lives and become the people that you've designed us to be. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this, amen.